we're, you know, it's about your life and how you, where it all started. Oh, okay. And why it's all ending. Similarities. Well, because I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely recording. Good. And we're back between two Yetis in an underground lair beneath Jefferson Memorial with another founding father. See how I did that? That's cheap. <laughs> and we're back between two Yetis with Tom Damrich. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? It's wonderful to finally get you on the show. Um, delighted. It's been, I think I've been trying, chasing you down for about a year or two now, since you announced your retirement. Right, right. And it's coming up now, isn't it? Well, sometime between now and the end of the year. Yeah? Oh, it's not, it's not fully determined yet? It's not fully determined. So it'll be about uh, three months after my successor starts, so. We don't, okay. we don't have his start date or her start date, so... Oh, so you don't even know who it is yet? No, we don't know who it is yet. But you're narrowing it down. We're narrowing it down. Good. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, Tom Damrich, you're head of what is the heart of the industry, really, aren't you? Everything starts with the boats. Everything starts with getting out somebody buying a boat. It all, it all starts with somebody buying a boat, right. And the uh, National Marine Manufacturers uh, represents uh, the manufacturers of boats, engines, and marine accessories. But we really, we work with everybody in the industry because... You do, because I, I was always surprised how you could join as a member of the NMA without being a boat manufacturer, but you're supporting the organization. So our membership is basically open to anybody in the industry. And uh, the reason is, you know, it took, I've been with the NMA for almost 20 years and it took me... Did you start it? No, okay. no. Actually, NMA's roots go back to 1904, when the New York Boat and Engine Manufacturers Association was created. And then there was a Boating Industry Association in Chicago. And we had two competing associations that both did shows. One did the New York Boat Show, one did IMTEC. They both had lobbying staffs. They both, you know, they, they competed. And in the mid-70s, the Independent Boat Builders said, this is crazy. We need one association for the manufacturers. And so they forced the merger of these two to form NMMA in 1979, which was 40 years ago. When I was born. And I joined NMMA in 1999. So I, I am only the second president of NMMA. God. So it's not like a three-year term. You're in it until you... Well, it's, it's like, um, it's like the, um, not the Senate, it's the... Uh, Supreme, Supreme Court, Court. Yeah. until you die, until you die but, or retire. What did you do before NMA then? So I've been in the association business uh, my whole career, really. I uh, w was president of uh, a group called IPC, which was manufacturers of uh, circuit boards and companies that did electronics assembly. Before that, I spent 13 years well, with the... the uh, really dating you there, back in the 90s. Back in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. During, during the tech boom. And then uh, prior to that, I was with the Illinois Bankers Association for 13 years, so. Oh, blimey. So how do you find boating then? Well, I, you know, when head I was headhunted, yeah. You were that good that they came and found you? Well, our NMMA was that desperate, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you were born and raised in Chicago? No, I was born and raised in Southern Illinois. Came to, right, came okay. to, uh, to Chicago in 1970 to go to DePaul, go to college, and uh, Met my wife there and never left. Hmm. Good. Ooh. So, had you ever been on a boat before? Oh yeah, I have a I have a really good friend who has a ski boat at a uh, summer home he has in northern Wisconsin, 
And so we used to go up there every uh, weekend, or not every year, every summer for a week. And uh, he taught me how to water ski, he taught all my kids how to water ski. And so we, we would spend a lot of time on his ski boat one week a year. Uh, but that was the, uh, really the extent of my boating experience before joining NMA. Blimey. So for me, what I see MMA and what we're here to do in Washington is the ABC, which I've been in the industry 25 years. I've never heard about it until a couple of months ago. So why is that? Well, that's a shame. Uh, so I will tell you that. I'll tell you uh, why I didn't. But... Yeah. So ABC really, it's, it's only been, we, we, we had done a fly-in like this for years but we branded it the American Boating Congress, I'm gonna say 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, Nicole Vassalaris, who heads up our government relations uh, office here in Chicago, uh, put together some numbers. You know, 10 years ago during the, uh, the Great Recession, uh, we had 120 people here for this event and we did 74 hill visits. Uh, this year, this year we've got 350 people registered we'll have uh, 280 hill visits. And it, it makes a difference. I mean, it's grown every year. And but this year we took a 40% increase in attendance this year. We had 250 last year, we got 350 this year. Why is that? So the word is starting to get out. Uh, I think one, we did a better job of marketing it. Two, I think uh, we are, NMA is putting more resources into advocacy. And three, I think there's a lot more things going on that are impacting the industry, particularly the tariffs. Hmm. I think for me, why I've never really noticed it is because I was so stuck in my own bubble. You know, was, the whole industry's built in mom and pop shops. Right. And you've got all the problems of you running your own business and your own life. To right. Outside of what you're doing in your little circle, you know, I, I was in lighting, so the lighting the lighting crew sit here, you know, the engine guys yeah, over here, right. the electronic guys are there. And so you never really see outside your bubble. And in the last year or so, as we started um, working with USSA and ISS and MISA, yeah. it's really opened my eyes as to what organizations actually do. And it is, it's this bringing together of the industry. So, you know, you look at this industry and it, it, it's boat manufacturers, it's boat dealers, it's marinas, it's distributors. It's, uh, you know, big box stores like West Marine. It's, it's the publications. Uh, there's so many aspects to the industry. And what the realization that came to me about 10 years ago is that we, we are an ecosystem. We're the boating industry ecosystem. And something that adversely impacts one part of that ecosystem is eventually gonna adversely impact the whole ecosystem. And so we need to be working together we need to have each other's back. If there's a problem that marinas are having, that's gonna affect boat manufacturers and engine manufacturers and dealers and everybody else eventually. So we all need to help the marinas overcome this problem. And the same is true in every part of the industry. And so that's where we've been focused the past 10 years or more. And I think that's one of the reasons pe people are finally getting it. And that's, I think, one of the reasons we've seen the big growth in ABC this year. Mm -hmm. It's that working together, the rising tide yeah. aspect. Yeah. Yes. So, the industry is very competitive, but we don't all need to be competitors, correct? You know, our, our real competition is, uh, is not each other. Our competition is 
other things people could spend their leisure dollars on. Yeah. So it's it's RVs, it's golf, it's it's all the other things that people can do outdoors other than boating. Mm. I always find it's interesting. People in the industry always joke that you know boat stands for break out another thousand. And we all joke that you know the best boat is somebody else's. <laughs> so so, 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 so I boat boat really stands for best of all times. That's my favorite. That's much better. That's what we should be visiting. Best yeah. of all times. Yeah. And of course, the two best days in a boater's life, uh, every Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> See, that's the way it should be done. That's right. Yeah. So what's your plan then for moving on? So I don't really have any plans. I have ideas. And uh, I'm, I've... You want to take a break? No, 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 no. No, we'll we'll just keep going. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's great is coming through. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't really, I don't have any plans. I have a lot of ideas. And I basically want to continue to be useful. I want to continue to have an impact somewhere. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking at things like potentially teaching or mentoring or other things where I can help other people be successful. Good. How old are you? Uh, I'm about to say it. No, I'm 66. I'll be 67 when I retire. Oh, so this is elective. This is elective. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know, it's it's just it's just time. I think people know when it's time. I've 20 years in this job. I've loved every minute of it, but it, it's time to move on. Time to give other people an opportunity to move up. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. I mean, we were supposed to do it for a little bit longer and a little bit. Well, we can. I want. We got time. Yeah, another ten minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> how bad is that? You got five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Within the industry, what do you think is the biggest problem we've got? Oh, what is the biggest problem that we've got? I think the biggest problem is we are not attracting first-time boat buyers at a rate that we used to. So if you look at over the last 20 years, the number of first-time boat buyers on an annual basis is down over 100,000 a year. Wow. So that's, a, that's our biggest problem. And, and why are we down so much? Uh, part, part of it is this, uh, the millennials reaching all their life stages later than boomers did. Yeah. So I, we'll catch up with that aspect. That's very true, actually. People having kids, getting married later. Everything's happening. Well, they say everything's happening uh, seven years later. So we got this like seven-year hole. And uh, is everything done in seven? Seven-year age? Seven-year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. It's a lucky number, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the. Uh, I think uh, Discover Boating did a study where they looked at the, the path to purchase for first-time boat buyers. And they found there's a lot of friction in that purchase funnel. And for every hundred people that start on the journey to buy a boat, only two come out at the bottom with owning a boat. And of those two that buy the boat, within five years, half of them have sold the boat and left boating. That's our biggest problem. We have a 1% attrition rate. Well, among first-time boat buyers, it's probably a 50% attrition rate. 
but we only get, you know, we're only, we're only getting 2% through the funnel. So, you know, we, we're not as transparent as we need to be on the cost of ownership. Cost of ownership. This is the one thing we see a lot down in there for Lauderdale, people jumping in, but you know, it's a typical story, um, you know, mom and pop sell their shop, whatever they were doing up in the Midwest, go and buy a boat down in Florida. Five million dollars for a boat? No, 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 I'll get a million dollar one. And they don't realize yeah. how much extra that boat is going to cost. Right. And then they're out for Right, right. So I think if, if, if we can find a way to convince the industry that we need to be more transparent about the cost of ownership, that it's, it's better to have a new boat buyer that understands what they're getting into, stays in boating, and throughout their life buys four more boats yeah. than it is to sell a boat today Half of them leave boating and never buy another boat. It's always easier to, to keep a customer than, leave, than get a new one. Get a new one, right, right. Yeah. Okay, because that's one of the things we see is it's the hidden cost. It's not so much hidden cost, it's just the... Well, they are hidden. They're hidden. I mean, and, and you know, unless somebody specifically asks, no one volunteers that information to the first-time boat buyer. So how do you take that engine out? Well... <laughs> and, and, I mean, the other thing is, and I... So I just, uh, I'm just finishing up my doctorate in business administration. And so I did my thesis on the impact of missing prices on the purchase journey. There are many boat segments, new boat segments, that do not publish price on their websites, their dealer websites, or third-party websites. And so I did a test in cooperation with Boat Trader, uh, 19 brands and 170 dealers, uh, where we alternately showed price and didn't show price to people coming to BoatTrader.com to see what the impact of that would be on their purchase journey. If they saw price, would they be more likely to click through to the detail listing page? From there, would they be more likely to click to become a lead? Uh, and, and then would they have higher purchase intent? And the results of the study confirmed that people who saw price we're more likely to continue their search, become a lead, and have greater purchase intent. So, but there are 29,000 new boat listings on BoatTrader.com that don't have a price. And then it gets, then you get into, I mean, it, it, this research then raises a whole another set of potential research questions. You know, if you don't, if you don't show price, how does that affect, um, search engine optimization. How does that affect people finding your website if, if, uh, if there's no price? I don't know the answer, but it's another question to look at. Good. So you, you represent all the small boat guys as well. Uh, small boat as in 50 foot number. Uh, well, we've got some manufacturers. We'd probably go up to 100 or you know, 110. But the, the heart of the you know, formula thunder Yes, yes, yes. The chaparrales, the sea rays, the cobalts, the pontoon boats, the ski boats, the aluminum fishing boats. I'm always amazed that they're in the middle of the country. They're not out near coastal areas. They're in the tundra. <laughs> well, there are, there's a lot of boat building in uh, in uh, Michigan and uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin and Tennessee and, and why is the Carolinas and Neotache, Kansas. Is that because of... That's the Rust Belt of America, that's where... No, you know, I mean, uh, you look at the, some of those are Great Lakes states, and those are like, yes. those are like coastal states. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of water inland in this country. 
90% of all Americans live within one hour of a navigable body of water. We are a boating nation. We are a boating nation, more so than any nation in the world. 50% or more of the, 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 the world market for recreational boating is in the United States. And what's the export of American boats? Well, before the tariffs, uh, oh, right. U.S. manufacturers were a net exporter wow. of, uh, of, marine, of boats and marine products. And now? Well, the, the tariffs, especially the 25% uh, tariff on the, from the EU, yeah. is, it's been painful. That's only been in, the, put in place in the last six months? In the last six months, yeah. yeah. Well, now, all right, let's go a little bit political. Okay. We're in the heart of... Um, <laughs> the heart of it. Yeah. Has there been a sizable change in the last two years that you've seen across your hands? What kind of change? In uh, activity. So, yeah, let me... So this year, we added two state-level government relations people. One in the, to cover the southeast states who lives in North Carolina and one to cover the Great Lakes states who lives in uh, Minnesota. And their, their goal is to do more outreach at the state level because many state legislators and governors end up in Washington, D.C., and we'd like to make friends before they get here. But they're also reaching out to member companies, encouraging more plant visits of uh, elected officials to visit our plants. and. Uh, we are, our goal is to get greater engagement of our members and the industry in the legislative process, the regulatory process, the political process. And it is happening. You know, we, uh, we also have this uh, Voting United, which is a, a way for us to alert people when there's an issue that we need them to contact their member of Congress or we need them to contact the EPA on their proposal to make E15 sales year round and make it very easy for them to send a letter or a text or make a phone call uh, with the talking points or the letter already pre-written. And we are seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the industry engaging by contacting their member of Congress. And that's the first step. If we can get them engaged at the state level, it's a, it's a smaller leap to get them engaged at the federal level. And once we get them engaged, we eventually want to get them here to Washington, D.C. if we can. I think this is what's beautiful about America. You can come and do this. You can come and talk to your officials. You can, and when you do, it has an impact. There is absolutely no question. Hmm. When you do, it has an impact. You know, we have uh, NMMA Canada as well, and Sarah Angel runs uh, the NMMA Canada and does all the lobbying in Canada. We recently... Uh, got the Canadian government to remove their 10% retaliatory tariff on boats going into Canada. Uh, and that's because we galvanized the industry, got them together to talk with their legislators in Canada, and made it obvious that this was doing more harm to dealers in Canada than it was to manufacturers in the United States. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, when Nicole talks with people in the Department of Commerce or the USTR office, they're all like, how did you do that? How did you get Canada to remove the retaliatory tariffs? And the answer is, we got the industry engaged in the process. What I'm doing with the Treaty Yetis is, well, my aim is, is to show what you guys have been talking about. 
So the jobs, the people, the interactions, the skills. The, the be- I mean, I come from a very small little town in England, and my dad started the lighting, boating lighting company 20 years ago, and now there's five companies in that little town with about a support group of another right. 25 companies. Right. And the knock-on effect of somebody buying a boat, no matter if it's 25,000 or 25 million, the knock-on effect goes around the world. Oh, yeah. And we're, start, we're hoping to be able to go and meet everybody, from leaders like you to the guy who owns the boat to the guy who cleans the boat, and show the breadth of, it's not a trickle-down, it's, a, uh, you know, um, Jason Dunbar? No. Luke Brown Yacht, yeah. he calls it a fire hose effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is. I mean, uh, our hashtag for ABC this year is voting means business. It used to be we would come up here and talk with legislators and their staff, and, and you know, we were from the boating industry, and immediately they'd want to talk about their last fishing trip or about their last boating uh, outing and, you know, how much fun boating was. And boating is fun, but boating is also big business. Yeah. And so we've, we've, we've turned our message to boating means business. Boating is jobs. Boating is uh, uh, lots of economic activity. Uh, Working with other outdoor recreation groups that we call the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, we got the uh, Congress to to tell the Bureau of Economic Analysis to do a, what's called an outdoor recreation satellite account to add up what is the value of of outdoor recreation to our economy. And they came back and said that outdoor recreation is 2.2% of the U.S. economy. Now that may or may not sound like a lot to you, but agriculture is, is 1%. Wow. Agriculture is 1%. Outdoor recreation is 2%. And recreational boating and fishing is over $38 billion of gross output of GDP. It's a big industry. Yeah. It's amazing, actually. It's bigger than agriculture. Outdoor recreation, all of outdoor recreation is twice the size of agriculture. Again, this is America. In England, outdoor recreation doesn't exist. We don't hunt, we don't we hike, but we kind of ramble, we walk. <laughs> we don't boat, we certainly don't fish. <laughs> well, Americans love the outdoors. Americans love the outdoors. Yeah. That's why it's called the, Ameri- the Great American Outdoors, right? Yeah. 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 I can't wait to see what happens at ABC. It's going to be a great week. Yeah. Great week. Tom, thank you. My pleasure. And, Lee. Uh, now, just a quick disclosure. Up there is Jefferson Memorial. Yeah. Right above our heads. You can't see it, but it's there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I didn't stop us. Thank you, sir. With all that noise, how's this going to come out? I don't know. <laughs> no. Really good because you guys are talking so good. Okay. So, and then you're on. So.